Welcome to the New England Football Show presented by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin, and I don't want to apologize for the delay tonight. It is on me. It is my fault. As the steward of this ship, I take ownership of it. It's my fault that we're running late, but we're here nonetheless, and we're ready to talk some football. And as always, we encourage you to join us. If you want to talk some football, feel free to join the conversation and jump in. Now, before we get started, I do want to remind you that we are brought to you by Mortgage Right. If you are currently looking into buying your first home or selling your current home and you need an experienced loan officer, we've got the guy for you. It's Herb Divine. Give Herb a call at 781-254-2846. You can also email Herb at situate.mortgageright.com. He and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends to help you. The real estate market is a year-long process now. It's never too late to buy that first home or to buy your next home. If you are ready to do that, give Herb a call or email him and let him help you achieve your dream of buying your first or your next home. All right, gentlemen, Patriots training camp well underway now. Uh, Stone and I were a little perplexed today. A lot of um, fellow members of the media called today day six of practice. To us, it's day five because they didn't practice Last Tuesday, they just uh, met with the media. But regardless of how you look at it, there are five practices in. And Kevin, I'm going to start with you. You've been at all of them. I've been at the last couple too. Adam, you, uh, Adams, Adam, you've been following along. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to start with you. Just some thoughts through five days. What do you think so far? The biggest thing to me, and and I've talked to you about this, and I feel like everybody feels the same. It's just normal. It's a normal operation. It's professional. There's very little wasted time. Um, and, and as you said, said to me today, Bill O'Brien is clearly in charge of the offense. Um, and, again, that's my biggest takeaway is just, look, we haven't seen any true, I guess, mind-blowing offense yet. It's only been red zone. And then today was really the first day we saw any kind of running game. But, again, everything is just functional. It's a normal team, a normal-looking practice. Um, and you could probably speak to that better just as a coach, but um, that's my biggest takeaway is just, again, it's normal. That's the key word is normal. Um, in terms of the quarterbacks, there is no competition. And now that could change within a couple of weeks. I don't think it will. Um, it's Mac's job. It's Mac's team. Bailey Zappi's look good, but he's been with the two. So um, anyone that thought we'd have a real competition, I don't think there is one. Bailey Zappi begs to differ, and I respect that a lot about him, actually. Uh, he talked yesterday and and generally thinks that um, he has a crack at this, so good for him. But uh, And defensively, I, I'd say the pass rush looks good. Again, it's only been shorts and T-shirts for the most part, but um, defense looks as advertised. And Christian Gonzalez is a plug-and-play day one guy right away. Um, and again, shorts and T-shirts, but he's looked good and he's locked people up. So uh, reason for optimism. But, again, it's only a few days and um, a long way to go. But it is night and day compared to last year. Yeah, it seems like, um, it, like you said, I think you put it well by saying it was, it was normal, it was regular. Because like, at this time last year, people were already starting to say stuff. It was a question. Yeah, so – you know, in that respect, that's good. I mean, it, it, there's not, uh, you know, there's not always a ton that you can glean from practices this early in the in the in the you know season. 
But just to say to see that things look more normal and regular and on time and everything's going on time and everything's going well, I think that's the probably the biggest takeaway you can have at this point. Yeah, I didn't think things were that bad last year. I, I don't share that sentiment with anybody in this market that it was that bad. Could you see the frustration with Jones? Yeah. Could you see that there were some operational things? Sure. But I mean, I think if you talk to people in this market, last year was World War III and, and there were bodies strewn everywhere and 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 there was a gigantic failure. It was not that bad. And, and again, I'm not trying to be a contrarian here or take the opposite perspective. I'm just being honest. From my lens, and I'm looking at it more from a coaching lens than anything else, I thought the operation was fine last year. I think a bigger issue was probably the execution and 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 the trust that the players had in Patricia and the setup. I think there were clearly trust issues there last year. Those issues don't exist this year. As I said to you, Kevin, O'Brien is clearly the guy. He walks around like he is. He has the title. It's his side of the ball. He's in charge. It's interesting to me how much Belichick has been going over and, and watching the offense and, and coaching and teaching. That's Belichick, and I think part of the reason he's doing it is he also wants to learn some of the new concepts that are being installed. But I think if you want to talk about a different vibe, yeah, that's a different vibe right there, in my opinion, is that O'Brien is large and in charge. It's his show. You can clearly see that by the way that they've installed. You can clearly see that by his involvement, his moving around. That's abundantly obvious. The injury situation, I think, has been a story, and we're not going to delve into it too much because the team has frowned upon this, but the injury situation is worth excuse me, monitoring up until this point. There have been some people that this team is going to be counting on to produce for them and play at a high level that have been out. It's created opportunity for other guys. I think another takeaway I have through just two days, and I was only there yesterday and today, but two other takeaways that I have. One is the rookies. Rookies are pretty impressive. I like what I see out of Demario Douglas, who I've said from the beginning is going to make the 53-man roster. I felt that from the start. I just thought he was too good a fit for what they do schematically and as a return man. I think Keon White is impressed. I think that Marte Mapun is limited action because he is wearing the red jersey as he's coming back from injury. He's looked pretty good. He's looked pretty athletic. Um, I, I like what I saw today out of City Sao. Antonio Mafe has, has made some plays for them. I think to me, fellas, the bigger story here is the offensive line. And the offensive line has struggled early. They have struggled. They struggled in pass protection. Yesterday, they did a nice job in the red zone goal line short yardage period today. The Patriots did go with some jumbo stuff and play three offensive tackles. But outside of that, I, I think that the struggles are still there. And Trent Brown isn't healthy. Riley Reef's been playing on the left side. There have been some mixing and matching. But the offensive line is still a work in progress. I think Adrian Clem's going to do a nice job, but fellas, I think he's got his hands full with him. I don't think it's going to be an easy fix. Yeah, I mean, Cole Strange got embarrassed yesterday on several snaps in a row uh, by Dietrich Wise and, and Christian Barmore. But on the flip side of that, though, maybe this D is just really, really good. And we, we said it was last year, and it was supposed to be this year. But I think he maybe even more so through a few days, they've gotten better, at least up front. I, mean, I feel that way. No, the, the defense is very good. And I think that that's the thing that people around here need to realize. A couple of years ago, we were talking about the lack of a pass rush. That's not the case anymore. They might have 
the best pass rush in the league. They might have the best tandem in the league with Judon and Uche. And then you factor into that Dietrich wise, Keon White, who I think is going to make an immediate impact on this defense. One of the things I've noticed early on is they're a lot more aggressive too. They're moving guys around, which is a staple of the Patriots. You've got to be able to line up in multiple places at all three levels defensively, but they're aggressive. Early on, they're showing that they're going to be willing to be aggressive. So they're going to have a lot of chess pieces on that side of the ball. But what we've seen so far is a willingness to move those guys around, maximize their snaps, and get a lot out of them. So to that end, I agree with you, Kevin. I think that this defense is very good. They're going to be a problem for people during the regular season, never mind the Patriots' offense at practice. That being said, I do think once you get into more of a steady flow running the football at practice – I do think it's going to help this offensive line, and I do think they're going to improve. But given how bad they were, and the numbers don't bear this out last year, right? It's not that they gave up a lot of sacks. It was just consistent pressure. Given how bad they were at times last year, obviously the hope is that they're better because if they're not, it doesn't matter who's calling the plays or who the skill guys are. It's going to be hard for them to move the football. Real quick before we wrap up the Patriots talk, I do want to talk about the skill guys, obviously, there's been a lot of talk out there about the different personnel groupings and what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. One thing is for sure, when you look at this team and this skill group, it starts and ends with five guys. Stevenson, Henry, Gasicki, Juju Smith-Schuster, Parker, and then I throw Bourne into that. It, it, it basically, quarterbacks aside, it's those six guys that are going to be your primary skill guys. Which begs the question, is that enough? I think, in my opinion, based on what I've seen so far, no, I don't think it's enough. It seems to me like they might need a little bit more. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's really just the first three days was all red zone. They struggled to score. And, again, we keep going back. The defense is good. But Gusecki was supposed to be that guy. Um, I have a bet with Andy Hart that he's going to have you know, 12 TDs this year. Yeah, I think you're going to lose that bet. What did you bet him? A couple cold ones? Yeah, so it is yeah, weird. You're going to lose that bet. But through Hard if days, you're watching, you've already won. Yeah, probably. Um, but for, but through those first few days, Bowen, Thornton, and Gusecki were silent, dead silent. So that's a little worrisome. But, again, for a guy like Thornton, you know, he stretches the field. So there's not much room for him down there. So I'm a little less worried about him, but I'm with you. I don't think it's enough. Um, I do think they need Zeke. Maybe today proved it more than anything. As good as Kevin Harris was, there's just, look, you're an injury, maybe one more injury away from having really, really nobody there. Um, so they need some help, but the offense, again, is going to be better. And actually, Tyler said this, Tyler Sullivan from CBS said this last week, and I thought he put it perfectly. They are going to be a better watch this year. It'll be much more entertaining. It'll look like real football, but um, to answer your question, yes, they need more. Adam, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Do they really need Ezekiel Elliott? Not really. I mean, just because I, the only problem with that is that I don't think Zeke Elliott is Zeke Elliott anymore. If you know what I mean, I don't think yeah, he's. he's I don't not. think he's what he was like. And these these older running backs sort of go down quickly, like in terms of the, their effectiveness. Um, but I do think he's still probably he'd be their second best back if he came here. So in that respect, sure, you know, why not? But I just, I, I, you know, a lot of these guys that get talked about, that's my first, you know, instinct is to see how much they really have left in the tank. 
Um, and you know, you see with this offense, it, the, you see with this offense now, kind of what you wish would have happened had DeAndre Hopkins come here, because I think he would have been like that queen chess piece, you know, on the board that can just sort of make plays all over the field. Um, and I don't think they have that type of receiver on the roster right now. They just don't have that caliber guy. So in that respect, I think, you know, they don't have enough. But I still think you can piece it together over the course of the season. But I don't think you'll ever get to that elite level if you don't have a guy like that. Yeah, it's interesting because that guy may end up being six-round pick to Mario Douglas. He has looked like he could be that guy. You know, when you look at the way they're trying to use him, when you look at how quick he is in space, how he gets from zero to 60 in the open field, I mean, he is a guy that, they haven't had that type of guy that they can do those kinds of things with out of the slot since Julian Edelman, really. And, and I think this kid's more dynamic than Edelman. Uh, Edelman obviously was a great player, fringe Hall of Famer, but I think that this kid might be more dynamic with the ball in his hands. They're going to be able to do more with him, but they really don't have that guy. Unless Tyquan Thornton becomes that guy, they really don't have that vertical guy that that's going to make defensive coordinators stay up at night trying to figure out ways to cover him while covering everything else that they're going to do underneath. So it remains to be seen. Look, I still like this skill group. I really do. And in this system, with an improved Mac Jones or improved quarterback play, this skill group is good enough, in my opinion, to win 10 or 11 games with. The question is, is there enough behind that first layer that I mentioned, those first six guys? And that's where a guy like Douglas comes in. And that's where maybe the addition of a veteran running back comes in or maybe the addition of another receiver. I mean, they did bring in Jalen Hurd. He's looked pretty good the couple of days I've watched him. He could possibly be that guy at receiver. But, you know, you mentioned Tyquan Thornton. I think Tyquan Thornton's a guy, we were talking about this today, he's a guy that needs to have a big camp. Last year's in the past, outside of that Cleveland game, he really didn't do much else. He battled injuries. He got hurt in the preseason, missed time at the beginning of the year. This is a big year for him. And and I think I, I forget who mentioned this today when we were talking about this, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on this kid to produce, given the Patriots' history of, of not being able to develop first and second round receivers. There's going to be a lot of pressure on this kid to produce. He's got to be a dude, not a dud. It's too early to tell, Kevin. I think you bring up a good point with the red zone, but we really haven't seen a lot out of him so far. No, and again, the size, it, it's funny for me to talk about size, but um, he it just is. doesn't he just doesn't look like a a full NFL receiver, if that makes sense. But, uh, look, he went off of one day in minicamp, and we never, never heard from him again. So um, he had a touchdown, I think it was yesterday. Might have had two, actually. It's still early. I, yeah. I think yeah, I, I, and I, I would caution that we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater quite yet with him, but – on the flip side, like I said, this is a big camp for him. He really needs to come out and prove himself here and prove that he could be that vertical threat, that guy that could take the top off of coverage and, and help out the underneath routes and get those guys open. And, and he needs to be a guy that can make big plays because they're going to be counting on him. This is why you drafted him. Look, I, and this is not a knock on Tyquan Thornton or who he is as a person or as a player. I didn't love the fit when they drafted him in the second round last year because, to me, I felt like he was your quintessential spread speed receiver. 
a guy that's really effective in the intermediate and deep levels, but a guy that doesn't give you enough underneath. I didn't see enough on his college tape underneath where I felt, all right, this guy's going to be a good fitness Patriot offense. Maybe that changes this year with O'Brien, but I haven't seen it yet. You hope that it comes on here as we go into these practices and next week's preseason game against the Houston Texans, which is hard to believe. Patriots' first preseason game is a week from Thursday, August 10th at Gillette Stadium, their only preseason game at Gillette against Bill O'Brien's former employer, the Houston Texans, which I was at their training camp practice on Friday. They look pretty good. The, the future's bright there with those guys in Houston. You got C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson. I love what Nick Casario did in the first round of the draft. So they should be better, but they'll be in town next week for the first preseason game. All right, gentlemen, let's pivot here and talk some college football. Big week, of course, in college football in the area. Training camps are opening up. UMass opened up on Friday because they open on August 26th, week zero at New Mexico State. They were followed up today by UConn and URI. All the other D1 programs in the area will be opening camp by the end of the week. Boston College, of course, is also going to be opening up camp at the end of the week, Kevin, you're going to be there on Thursday for that. Um, just some early observations and thoughts on these teams opening opening up camps. I don't want to specifically focus on the teams that have already opened up camp. We can certainly talk about them. But just give me your general thoughts as colleges are now opening up camps and we enter our busy season. Yeah, you want to go first? Sure. Um, what a gentleman. <laughs> Um, let's start with UMass for me. I think, um, because you know, I love UMass Twitter. <laughs> um, and UMass Twitter loves you, Adam. Yeah, it's funny. Um, no, but honestly, DC Twitter well, loves Stone. No, but I, right. Um, well, the, the thing about UMass that I want to see is I want to see them settle on a quarterback. I want to see them go into that first week knowing who the guy is. Moving forward in that direction, I want him to be the guy for the year. I don't want. Right. I don't want I, to play I, musical I mean, I, let's 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 crawl before we can walk because it seems like you know a lot of UMass games as we start the year, they'll name a starter and then somebody else will come in, and it's just sort of you don't see that one guy grab the reins and go, and I, that's kind of what I want to see with UMass. I think you know, I I like what. Their offensive line keeps getting better. It's more experienced, and they've got some good backs in there, and they've they've got a lot of interesting skill skill guys. Um, is it Pope? Is that that the receiver from uh, Mark Pope? Yeah. Mark yep. Pope. Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm thinking he could have a big impact this year. Uh, but again, going back to the quarterback position, I want somebody to take the reins, be the guy, and be the guy for most of the year, if not the whole year. It, you know, we can dream. But um, I, I would like to see UMass make progress on that front before anything else. So I'll start with the media days, and we did a ton of them last week. The biggest takeaway from really every college that we heard from locally, and um, it was, I think, 10 of them total, really every single one of them, including Central Connecticut, feels like they can compete this year. And that's awesome, not only for us, but just – New England football in general. Uh, you look at Merrimack. You look at, you know, Bryant in their second year in the Big South. You look at, um, who else do we hear from you? UNH, URI, Maine. Every single one of those teams is reason to believe that they can make noise. Now, that noise could be very different for some teams. 
like UNH, you know, they're they're hell bent on a national championship. Maine is looking to to kind of reinvigorate the program and and take another step. But every single program has the ability, at least every single program around here, has the ability to have a good year. And that's awesome just in terms of, you know, fan engagement and and really everything just all encompassing about the sport around here. So that was my biggest takeaway. Um, specifically UMass, Don Brown talked a lot the other day about senior leadership. He said they only had about six seniors last year. I think he said they have about 16 this year. And uh, he went hard in the portal for guys that had experience. So I'm curious to see what that experience looks like on the field. Um, in terms of, you know, UConn and BC for, you know, the, the top dogs, if you want to call it that. I think UConn's going to be a game or two better. Um, I don't think they slide back. And BC, look, I can't do three and nine again. I can't write the same stuff every week. Not about you, Stone. I know. But I genuinely believe that their schedule sets them up for a big year. Um, so you're going to flip three and nine. You're predicting nine and three? I did actually today for um, – yes, I did. I yes, you're, you're, you're a man of the people, Stone. Hey, they, whatever gets them off my back, easiest. Uh, Why does it always it, have to be about you? Why it, can't it just be that you 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 said they're going to go nine and three? Yep. Say it with conviction, mean it. It has nothing to do with them getting off your back. No, no, it absolutely doesn't. There aren't these 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 message board cabals out there looking to get you, Stone. No, I genuinely believe they're a they're a nine win team this year. Um, look, they yeah, have you know who doesn't believe that? Me and Kirk. That's fine. They have eighty percent of their production back. We still love the Eagles, um, but I don't know about nine and three. Yeah, I mean, 80% of their production back. Um, a lot of veteran uh, presence on defense that people are kind of, um, I guess, poo-pooing. But there's a lot of guys back that, that have a chip on their shoulder. And, and again, that schedule, compared to what it's been in the Halfley era, it's as easy as it's been. So if they don't, you know, turn things around and, and don't win, call it at least seven games, something went wrong again. And now we're talking about hot seats again and, and all that stuff. but. No, in all seriousness, I really do believe that they're going to be much better than people think. Uh, but again, just overall, every college in this area has something to play for, you know, this year, and, and it should be a great season. All right. I'm going to rattle off a bunch of stuff here, so you're going to have to bear with me. And I'm going to kind of do what you guys did, but I'm going to expand on it. And feel free to jump in, by the way, anytime you want. Uh, UMass, Kirkshit, I'm with you. They they need to pick a quarterback at the end of this camp and stick with them. And and they, to their credit, they went out and they fortified the quarterback room. You bring in Tyson Fomachon. You bring in Carlos Davis, of course. Ahmad Haston enrolled early. You had Brady Olson. They've got the bodies there. No, they've got guys that they can evaluate and make a decision by the end of the camp who their guy's going to be. And we're going to be going up there. Um, in the next week to take a look at the Minutemen for our camp visit. So it'll be interesting to see what the quarterback situation looks like there because I will say this, Don Brown and company upgraded that roster. It's a more talented roster. They have got to be better. And you talk about schedule, their schedule sets them up for a possible four to six win season as well if everything goes right and a dark horse bowl bid. So you never know. UConn, Kevin, I'm with you 100%. I think they're two games better than last year. And I know a lot of people are going to say, ah, you're jocking them and this and that. What makes you think that? Schedule. Again, they have a very manageable schedule. I think the key for UConn is going to be, what do you do at receiver? 
when you when you lose guys like Marion and Fitzgerald and some of the names that they lost in the portal at wide receiver, you need guys to step up. And they're going to have guys that are going to step up. But I think that, to me, that's going to be a position to keep an eye on, and I can't wait to get down to stores in a couple of weeks and see them because I want to see how they're mixing and they're matching. they got a lot of talent. We know how good the backfield is with Rosa and Houston, Jolly at tight end. Lewis Hansen transfer from Michigan, I think he's going to have a big year for them. They've got a lot of talent at key spots. I think wide receiver, though, wide receiver and secondary could be two sticking points for the Huskies. As far as BC goes, look, here's the deal. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Stone. Three and nine means we're having hot seat talk, possible change. We don't want to see that. We want to see the program thrive and succeed. We're fans of the program. We're fans of Jeff Halfley. I think at the end of the day, the schedule sets up for them to win six to nine. Kirkshin, you're leaning six and six. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm going seven and five. I'm gonna I'm gonna I do think they can win seven of these five games. I think they'll take care of business early. The thing with BC is you always have those middle-of-the-schedule bugaboo games. They always trip up in one of those two. I could see that happening. But I'll say this, where I'm kind of coming over to your thought process, Stone, is I can also see 8-4 and four with this team. 9-3, and three, I think, is a push for me, but I could see 8-4. and four. A couple of breaks. Now you go 8-4, and four, you get a pretty good bowl bid. If, um, if they develop a running game, then yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. the biggest thing by far. By far. And it, and they know it. It, we all agree on that. It has to be a point of emphasis. It has to. It is, yeah. And I'm not well, trying uh, to say not trying to say that it hasn't been, but let's be honest here, guys. I think a lot of people unfairly blamed a lot of the struggles last year offensively on Phil Jakovic and Dave DeGugliamo. I don't think that's fair. I really don't. That's my yeah. opinion on that. All that being said, you made these changes on the offensive side of the ball. Find a way to make a commitment to running the football. One thing you could say about Steve Adazio's teams, whether you like Daz or not, you knew that they could win six or seven games every year simply by getting off the bus, lining up, punching you in your effing face, and playing their brand of football. And I think that that's the thing with this Boston College football program particularly on offense. I think they have an identity on defense. On offense, they need to develop an identity. You play in New England, that identity is run the football. Right, Stone? You're a big, you're a big ground and pound guy. Right? Yeah, but no, but one other thing, too, this team needs contributions from special teams this year. And you have a it guy is. back there yeah. in Ryan O'Keefe who legitimately can be a, a, a game breaker. Yeah. yeah. And Halfway's talked about it a lot. So that's another kind of sneaky thing where this team can get a real contribution from a punt return or a kick return in some games, well, it completely changes the season. So um, there's a lot to be positive about. Look, I'm with you guys. This team always, you know, for all the hype they've always had, uh, we, since we started covering them, it's they've always fallen flat on their face, and I get it. But there's just so much talent, and so much returning talent, and more so just so much veteran presence. I can see them finally, you know, finally getting over that hump. But uh, knowing my luck, they'll make me look like an idiot. No, but look, they have the easiest schedule of any program in the Power Five. So that we've been harping on that, but that's going to matter. And I think, you, and Kevin, you brought up a great point too. They have a lot of production coming back. And there's something to be said, even though I don't think that Jakovic should be scapegoated, there's something to be said for Emmett Moorhead being a better fit in this system. 
And I think you're going to see that. I do think that Emmett is going to be a better fit in this system. So it'll be interesting to see lots of talk about with, with the big three, as we like to call them when it comes to D1 football around here with BC, UMass, and UConn. Real quick, of course, NEC, Merrimack, Stonehill, Central Connecticut State, Sacred Heart, they all kick off training camp this week as well. Merrimack, early on, at the NEC loved them. I believe they were picked to finish second in the NEC. Yeah. I think that they are going to be in the mix to win the NEC and get a playoff berth, either as a conference winner or even possibly an at-large berth, although I think that would be hard. This is the first year they qualify for the playoffs. Stonehill under Eli Garner, I think, will be better. They have a stiff first test of the season with UNH coming to Easton. That'll that'll be a measuring stick game for 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 Stonehill and whether or not they can take that next step and be a competitive program. Sacred Heart, they had a lot of on and off the field problems last year. It's huge that Malik Grant decided to stay. Mark Noffrey made some staff changes. I think they're going to be better. If you want a dark horse that is similar to what Yale was last year in the Ivy League and the NEC, I think it could be Sacred Heart. Because here's the thing that people need to realize. Coach Noffrey has won a lot of football games running the football, out-physicaling people, playing good defense, and being aggressive on defense. And when you look at the composition of this team, this is a classic Sacred Heart-type football team. Central Connecticut State is rebuilding, but I think under Coach Lichtenberg, they're going to they're going to turn things around. He's a terrific recruiter. He hired a staff full of terrific recruiters. They're going to surprise some people in the NEC this year as well. Of course, Brian is in the Big South. looking can bounce back after a four and seven season. You know, uh, Coach Merritt talked a little bit about that throughout the spring and over the summer. That last year's last year. All you can control is what you can control, and that's controlling your future and what you do moving forward. Zeviakos is one of the most underrated players in all of college football and definitely the most underrated player in New England. If you haven't watched the Brian Signal Caller play, you're missing out. He is a terrific player, and he's the biggest reason why I think this program bounces back this year. That and I really like their skill group, and I like the returning talent along the offensive line. They're going to be big. They're going to be physical. And, and I think you're going to see this team surprise some people offensively. They've tweaked some stuff, too. I'm not going to get into it. I don't want to give away the 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 you know staff secrets here, but they've made some nice tweaks or some nice wrinkles there. This isn't going to be the Brian offense you've seen the last couple of years. And of course, the Ivy League programs, well, they kick off uh in a couple of weeks. They'll be going to camp. So we'll have more on them down the road. Don't All forget about Holy Cross. What's that? Don't forget about Holy Cross, too. Yeah, they open this week as well. Yep. Now here's my question. Up until this point, why didn't you mention them? Chez Chez is gonna watch this and he's gonna be like, I thought these guys were supporters of ours. I, I let you go on. And you're their while. biggest cheerleader. Hey, they're, 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 no, 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 no. Listen to me. Listen to me. You brought them up. Now you preview them. Uh they are going to be well, they won't go unbeaten again. That's just that's too hard of an ask. They're still gonna um, be pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean the the first three games of the schedule are an absolutely brutal test. I think it's Merrimack, um, or Yale, Merrimack, and BC. Or Yale, BC, Merrimack, somewhere in that order. Um, so they're not getting through that unbeaten, I don't think. But overall, Patriot League, there's no reason they shouldn't win that again um, and be hosting another playoff game or two. But real quick on Sacred Heart, people forget two years ago, they they just about beat Holy Cross in the playoffs. Um, they were a very, very good team. Um, and then Matt really Fluke, Yeah, I mean, um, Suka hit Jalen Coker late with, I think, 10 seconds left for a touchdown and what was a 
a frigid game, but uh, that Sacred Heart is – I will not be surprised if they're right back there again. But, uh, no, Holy Cross is – they should be right back where they were, top 10, top top five maybe, FCS, and, and knocking on that door again. You know, I agree. They won't go undefeated, and that the, the start yeah. of their schedule is tough. Brutal. Yale coming off an Ivy League title. Merrimack coming off a great season. They'll be a contender in the NEC. And, of course, you got to go to BC, which I love. I love that they're playing Boston College. That used to be a great local rivalry back in the day. So it's fantastic. And real quick, I also want to talk about the CAA as well. Of course, UNH picked to finish second in the preseason poll behind William & Mary. But as we saw last year, you cannot doubt Ricky Santos this coaching staff and this team, they have a lot of talent back. I love the combination of Brosmer and Lobby in that backfield. Really underrated at receiver. And then on defense, I mean, they've got some dudes at linebacker. You've got Silver back at defensive end. That secondary has ball-hawking playmakers. I, I'm going to sound homerish because I jumped on that wagon early last year, and I'm going to jump on it again. I think they win the CAA, and I'm going to go all bold prediction here on you guys. I think they win it outright. They're not just going to win a piece. URI in Maine as well, open camp this week. URI open camp today. The, to me, with URI, it's really about can you win that one more game? Can you win that one more game to get you over the hump? That's what it's about. Back-to-back -back seven and four years, they're there. They're there, but they've got to win that one game in the CAA, whether it's against a Delaware or a Villanova, or an Elon, or even a William and Mary. They've got to win that one game to get them over the hump. Because I think if they do, if they find a way to go 8-3, and three, the very least now, you have a shot at getting an at-large bid. And, of course, Maine, I don't want to say is rebuilding, because I thought they had a really good recruiting class. I thought they did a nice job in the portal. I like the hiring of Coach Steve Cooper's offensive coordinator. I think he's going to do a great job for them there. I think it's just a matter of, trying to find footing in a tough part of that conference. You play URI, you play UNH, and, and I think it's just trying to find a way to, to be better than the teams that are at their level or below them in the CAA. But either way, we're going to have a lot more with our college coverage, tons of previews coming for you in the, in, in the coming weeks, and uh, we'll be talking a ton of college football here before it kicks off. Um, in a couple of weeks from now, we're actually going to break down the college football season week by week and give you our best games for each week of this upcoming season. All right, Adam, you were at the Northeast 7-on-7 seven seven the last couple of weeks. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, the South tournament got uh, canceled because of rain. You had the East, you had the North, and then the South tournament was broken up into two weekends. You were there yesterday. Just some overall thoughts and and let's look ahead to the championship round, which is on Thursday night in Zavari. Yeah, New England's is Thursday night, and that'll be great. Just really quick, I love this event. Um, it's so much fun. You get to interact with so many coaches and kids. Um, Steve Dombowski, the Milton coach and the seven on, Northeast 7-on-7 seven seven, uh, director, Steve Dombowski does a great job um of running things things always go very smoothly even when there's weather um you know there was the weather with um with the zavarian one the south one and they split it into two different um tournaments and they were both great i was, I was only able to go to one of them but um in terms of the teams you know i wrote about this when i did my herald write-up is like you know milton lost a lot <laughs> from last year's Division Three state title um, runner-up. 
they lost uh, Owen McHugh. They, they lost just a ton of wide receivers and quarterbacks. So you would think that even though they participate in this kind of thing year-round, that they'd sort of struggle because it's it's all new guys. But they, they've been the most impressive team there. Like, they were awesome. And it's so much fun to watch. I mean, they just pick guys apart out there. They'll be entire games where they don't get stopped once. And they're also actually pretty good at defense. They've got uh, a def- defensive back named Ferris Collins who ran real well at the bone. That was sort of my first introduction to this kid. And he had two pick sixes yesterday in the semifinal game and the championship game to um, to win it. Um and they've just got – they're great at this. They do it – I mean, they do that winter league. So, like, to a certain extent, you'd say, yeah, they should do well at this. But still, it's not easy. Um, another team that was also you, – you sort of expect to do well at this thing is Methuen. Uh, Drew Eason, the quarterback, going to be a senior. Shane Eason, his younger brother, going to be a junior. Um, they won the North, um, and they did a really great job. They beat Central Rhode Island. And um, it you know it's it's just a lot of fun. You know, Rhode I, Island, by the way, has acquitted themselves well in it with Central and North Kingstown. North Kingstown, and and and, North, and again, North Kingstown's a good program. They're 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 always very good down there. Um, but you know they they played very well yesterday. They obviously lost to Milton in the final, but they did really well. And a, a key to this that Steve pointed out to me yesterday that I didn't really quite sort of process until he said it was like you need a lot of people to come to these things you can't if you come here with 10 guys by three o'clock you're gassed you are gassed um and so you know if you come with 15 16 guys you'll be all right you know you can you can you can make it through because these days like i mean it's july it's hot you know it's like these are tough uh tough days um let me see who else. Oh, oh, one of my favorite things. I wasn't there for this, but Carver won the first South Regional uh, by beating Dexter in the final. I think they also beat like Zavarian or somebody like that. They, I mean, they beat and and Carver's a Division Eight school, and that's the beauty of seven on seven is that you have a team like Carver, who if they played Zavarian in a regular season game, I mean, it would just be over fast. It wouldn't be much of a contest. But you get them in seven on seven, anybody can beat anybody. And it was so cool to see Carver win the thing, you know, and 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 beat the teams that they beat. I mean, if you know, if they played Dexter in a real game, it wouldn't I don't think it would be that competitive. But I mean, it's just so much fun to see these little schools, you know, come out and really beat these teams who are who are very good. Uh and uh it was you know that's that's one of the great things about the seven on seven. Yeah, it is a great job, and and Steve Dombowski does a great job with his tournament. You also had tournaments up in Maine last week. Uh, their passing tournament has been terrific. Rip it and rip it down in Connecticut is another terrific tournament. New England has really done a great job with with the seven on sevens and the showcases and everything else the last three years. The investment by coaches and the kids in these off season activities is amazing and our hope is that we could cover more of them uh in in the future but uh, any final thoughts here gentlemen before we wrap it up nope it is officially football season and uh we we legitimately believe that we are your one-stop shop so um i'm sure you guys will back me up on this just 
keep you know keep following along with us. We'll have as much as humanly possible covered. Yep. Yeah. And I this, is, uh, this is a fun job, and we get to have fun with. I mean, we love going to the practices. I mean, it's not just about the games for us. We love covering uh, every aspect of these teams, and the kids work so hard, and it's so fun to see how these things turn out. Yeah, we'll be on college campuses here in the next three weeks, UMass, UConn, URI, BC, Harvard, uh, you name it, we'll be there. And if we're not there, the three of us will have someone there. So we're we're excited about that. But that'll do it for this week's show. For Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin, I'm John Serenitas. Until next week, peace. See ya.